The race to replace Aaron O'Toole as leader of the federal conservatives got a little more crowded this week. Ontario MPP Roman Barber, federal MP Leslin Lewis, and former Quebec Premier and federal PC leader Jean Charest all stepped into the fray. Charest joins the race as a possible contender to Pierre Poilievre's frontrunner status. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Catherine Levesque joins me to discuss why Charest is joining the race after 10 years outside of politics, how he hopes to distinguish himself as a challenger to the Trudeau government, and how the race changes now that the field is filling out. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Catherine, last night in Calgary, former Quebec Premier Jean Charest announced he was re-entering politics to run for leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. And I think one thing that a lot of people are wondering is why after 10 years out of the political spotlight is Mr. Charest choosing to jump back into federal politics? Well, I asked them the question. Actually, I was less polite than you were because I said, why the hell do you want to come back to politics? And I (laughs) said, sorry for my language. And he said, you've been talking to my wife. So (laughs) apparently I'm using the same (laughs) words as she is. Look, it's no secret that uh, Jean Charest's dream was never to become Premier of Quebec. His dream was to become Prime Minister of Canada. And he was kind of forced into uh, leading the Quebec Liberals, which is a coalition of, uh, you know, conservatives, but also liberals at the time in 1998, because, you know, there was the separatist Parti Québécois Mm -hmm. led by Lucien Bouchard at the time. So he was kind of forced into that. Everyone wanted him to leave the conservatives, go save the country. And he, so he did. And he became premier at that time. Now, what he's saying now is look, I've left politics, sure, but I've got all this experience. I am ready to win. And I know I can unite the conservative party. I know I have all this experience in federal and provincial politics. And so with my life experience, I can not only unite this party, but also win an election. So of course, you know, that's his message, right? I mean, I think at this stage of the race, that's maybe a little bit presumptuous, (laughs) in fact, very presumptuous, (laughs) because I think he's going to realize that, yes, the Conservative Party has changed very much, but that's at least his goal. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the next six months. He does bring with him a track record. You know, he was in the Mulroney government. He led the Progressive Conservatives of Canada through kind of a dark period in the 1990s before going to Quebec and eventually winning government there. So he does bring a track record of political knowledge, political history, and political success to the table. But what is it beyond that that he feels makes him an ideal candidate to lead the Conservative Party of Canada at this juncture in history? The fact of the matter is that Conservatives have tried, well, since 2015, have tried two different leaders, didn't work, they didn't form government, And now the stakes are so high because now the conservatives have to ask themselves, look, who's the next leader who can lead us into a next election and win it and form government? Sheree's strategy is certainly to look at 
the stakes say, hey, what is your end goal here? You know, do you want to be right and stay in opposition a bit like the NDP? (laughs) Or do you want to form government one day? And, you know, let's just put aside all the labels, all the ideological differences here and work towards a common goal. So that's the bid that he's doing right now. That's kind of what he's saying. So he thinks he's the man for the job. Now, of course, you know, Pierre Poliev is the front runner right now and Pierre Poliev is adored by the membership of the party. So I don't know if in a few weeks, a few months, Jean Charest will be able to turn things around and sell so many membership cards that he's eventually going to win. Now that's certainly something we're, we're going to have to see, but uh, yeah. He's really talking about the end goal, and that is to form government. So that's what all his message is constructed around. You mentioned presumptuous, and then you mentioned Pierre Polyev. And there seems to be an odd sense of messaging in this leadership race. You have uh, Mr. Polyev, who when he announced, he didn't announce he was running for conservative leader. He announced he was running for prime minister. And Jean Charest talking about winning the next federal election. But there is still a leadership race to win. And... Right now, at least, with Mr. Polyev as the front runner, he's painting Mr. Charest as out of touch, a liberal. He's not a conservative. He's not a true conservative, I guess. He supports a carbon tax, things that the conservative base don't really like. How does he set himself apart from Mr. Polyev? And how does he convince conservative voters that, well, I'm not what Mr. Polyev says I am? Like this whole idea of what a true conservative is, how does he fit into that mold? So there are a couple of questions there. I I mean, we've seen these attacks from Pierre Poliev last week. I was looking at his Twitter feed because he's very present on social media. And the attacks haven't been going that hard this week. I mean, I think Pierre Poliev is kind of saw that, well, look, he was criticized a lot for those attacks and comparing Justin Trudeau to Jean Charest. And maybe that wasn't the thing to do right now. Now, of course, a lot of members, certainly in the Conservative Party and a lot of MPs see Jean Charest as an outsider, as someone who is not a real conservative and who will scare off the base. How does Mr. Charest set himself apart, but win over the base at the same time? I think the difference here is that, yes, Pierre Poliev, he's a career politician, you know, he's been uh, elected, and he's certainly, you know, darling of the actual Conservative Party right now. Now, what I think is kind of interesting is that in this race, Poliev is maybe a little bit more populist. But he's also in this, weirdly enough, the establishment candidate right now, because he's supported by Stephen Harper supporters and, you know, people who claim to be real conservatives. Now, the one who I think usually would be seen as the establishment candidate is now the outsider, and that is Jean Charest. So Jean Charest will be the one saying, yes, I have more baggage, but I also have more experience. And Pierre Poliev, nothing against him, but you know, he's not going to be able to attract different voters. Now, what I've been hearing from Jean Charest's people is that they believe that if Jean Charest becomes leader, he will be able to attract people from all kinds of parties right now. So he will be attracting people who usually vote for the Liberals, for the NDP, even the Bloc, weirdly enough. So they think they will be able to have a larger base and really recreate this national party and and have a a big tent conservative party. Cherie's team, of course, they claim that Pierre Polyev's strategy, as it is right now, will possibly attract PPC voters. So it's not going to go really broader than that. So yes, he's going to be 
you know, entertaining the the actual base of the party, but he's not going to broaden the tent. So I think that's kind of what is going to be in play in the next couple of months. And it's risky, but I think that's kind of what they think their winning strategy is, is to broaden the tent, attract new people within the party, and possibly try to get Sheree elected and uh, win the next election. I mean, I get the sense that people associated with Jean Charest's camp see the fact that for a generation of Canadians, he may not register with voters as a potential benefit here, that he doesn't necessarily carry some baggage that he may carry in Quebec, having been premier for a decade, but he could potentially bring in new people because they don't necessarily remember the Mulroney government and whatever their feelings are about that, or the fact that the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada did so poorly in the 1990s that they ended up folding in with Stephen Harper and the Canadian Alliance. Like this is seen as a benefit for him, at least in their mind, right? Yes and no. Like I think people kind of remember Jean Charest. I mean, certainly people in Quebec, they remember him very clearly and they either either love him or hate him. (laughs) I (laughs) I think even though it's been 10 years, look, this is the guy who's remembered for having been associated at least with a lot of corruption scandals and, you know, kind of corruption in the construction industry in Quebec. He's also the guy who's associated with massive student protests in 2012. And I I can certainly speak to that because I was a student at the time. I saw how people were angry at the man and, you know, how people were protesting. Like, you know, we had those truckers here in Ottawa a few weeks ago and yeah, they were loud, but we're talking protests every night, people banging on pots and pans, wanting Sheree out. Mm-hmm. So yes, he was defeated in 2012 as a Quebec premier. He actually lost in his writing, but he lost by a, such a small margin. You know, the Parti Québécois barely formed government and they had a minority government. So I'm like, that's what's so interesting here is that People can hate Jean Charest, but he still has a lot of people voting for him, even though he is the most hated person in the province. That's what he was in 2012. He nearly formed government, even though people were protesting against him. So I think that is what is so fascinating. And certainly, I I know the states are completely different in this race. You know, we're talking federally, we're talking about the whole country here. A lot of people don't know him, and they're going to learn to discover him. But also a lot of people already have an opinion about the man. So I think, look, he's coming in this race as the underdog. Certainly, I think he's going to try to make everyone lie about uh, the statistics and the polling right now. So uh, again, a really risky bet, but he can sometimes surprise us. We'll be right back. Pierre Polyev was trying to take Mr. Charest to task over, you know, supporting things like carbon taxes. And in your interview with Mr. Charest, he doesn't really get into policy matters. Mm -hmm. Do we get a sense of the kind of issues he might bring to the table or stances he may take on issues that are important to Canadians right now in the moment? Yeah, you're right. I mean, he didn't want to um, tell us specifics about what he's going to be proposing. But really, the sense I'm getting is that he's going to be a pragmatic in every sense of the word. Uh, I think he wants to bring uh, fiscally responsible policies on energy. I think, look, he, he does want to fight climate change. I mean, I think he's a big believer in that. He didn't go into specifics about 
carbon pricing. Of course, he did put that cap and trade pricing in Quebec, but he's also a big proponent of pipelines and energy projects. He was all for a pipeline going, you know, across Canada, the Energy East pipeline that has since been abandoned. And that's kind of the message that he was telling MPs when he met them last week, you know, like he was uh, meeting with, uh, especially Western MPs, you know, he kind of reassured them and, and told them, look, I'm all for energy extraction. I, I think we're in Canada, we have so many natural resources, we should be using them and we should be exporting them. So we don't have any specifics right now. One thing that certainly made headlines at least in, in parts of the country, certainly in Quebec, uh, was his position on Bill 21. He's against it. Mm -hmm. That position was confirmed to the Toronto Star. It wasn't confirmed to me. I mean, <laughs> I guess I should have asked that question. <laughs> Hard and clear. Uh, but uh, look, he, we're just at the beginning of this. I mean, he's going to roll out his policies, but I think he wants to present as someone who is going to present some common sense policies and is going to try to balance natural resources extraction as well as climate change. And we'll see what form that will take. I wanted to look at the race a little more broadly for a second, because there are some interesting things at play right now. Obviously, Pierre Polyev was first in the race. He appears to be the perceived front runner at this point. There's a poll out today as we're talking that shows him with a sizable lead over any other candidates or potential candidates, including Mr. Charest, including Leslin Lewis, who also announced this week. Do we expect any other big name candidates in the race? I know there was an independent MPP from Ontario who jumped in, but aside from Lewis and Polyev and Charest, do we expect any other kind of major names to step up? We do expect Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown to step up. You know, apparently his leadership bid is going to be formally announced later this week, possibly on Sunday. I think he's a man to look at, certainly. And, you know, Patrick Brown is not only going to be an ally to Sheree, but I think he's also going to be a very competitive contender. People have in the past tended to overlook Patrick Brown because, you know, he was a, a conservative MP uh, with Stephen Harper. I mean, he never served as a cabinet minister. He never even was a parliamentary secretary. And then he announced he was going to run for the PCs in Ontario and people thought he was crazy, um, but he won. Yeah. So I, I think he's he shouldn't be underestimated. He's a, you know, a great organizer, especially in the greater Toronto area in Ontario. And his entrance in the race certainly will be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch the dynamic also with Jean Charest. Uh, I know both men are pretty close. Jean Charest has even been one of his idols when Patrick Brown was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I've heard two other names. I mean, we'll see if they actually enter the race. There is a former conservative MP and deputy leader, Leona Alislav. If she runs, I mean, that would be another woman in the race. And she's also a former liberal MP. So, you know, <laughs> if we're going to label people like she 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 could be labeled by her opponents as not a real conservative, as a liberal. And uh, lastly, another possible contender to look for, Scott Atchison. He's an MP also right now sitting in the conservative party. So, uh, yeah, those are the other names we're going to be watching for. Looking at the calculus of the race, does a candidate like Leslin Lewis take any steam out of the campaign of Pierre Polyev? I know that Leslin Lewis may be seen as more of a social conservative potentially than Mr. Polyev, but 
in terms of, you know, economics and possibly where they sit in the wing of the Conservative Party, they may be trying to go after the same part of the base. Does that pose a challenge to Mr. Polyev's frontrunner status? Not necessarily from Leslie Lewis herself, but does that give Jean Charest an edge? And conversely, does someone like Patrick Brown in the race draw support away from someone like Mr. Charest? So Leslyn Lewis, I think uh, she's going to be the candidate of social issues. Like she's going to be very clearly the social conservative candidate in here. And what I'm hearing, at least from right now organization, you know, they're pro-life and they're saying we're not supporting Pierre Polia. We don't like him. He's a one trick pony. He talks about economics, but he doesn't do anything for us in, in terms of social issues. So to answer your first question, I, I think Pierre Poiliev certainly has a lot of support in Western Canada. I think he could possibly rally some social conservatives, but I think that people who actually care about social issues and who are truly social conservatives, I think they will be massively rallying around Leslin Lewis. Now, Jean Charest, I thought was interesting because one of his interviews, I think it was in the Globe and Mail last week, I think, he kind of like extended a hand to social conservatives and said, look, I know you people care about your community, you care about your churches. I'm not going to be turning you guys away. Like I, I want everyone to be united as the same party. So it's kind of interesting to see that reached hand to this important part of the party. And so, yeah, Lesson Lewis and Pierre Poliev, I think they're going to be doing each their own campaigns, but they're not necessarily going to be overlapping on each issue. Okay. As for Patrick Brown, the way this race works and the, the way the voting works is that it's preferential, right? So people need to be other candidates' second choice or third choice or, or even fourth choice, right? So... Each candidate will have to, yes, speak to their own base, to their own members, but also speak to other members and try to rally other members from other campaigns. So certainly the fact that Patrick Brown will be entering the race will be, I think, a huge plus to Jean Charest because they're going to be talking to the same people and maybe the people who will be putting Patrick Brown first will maybe be putting Jean Charest second. And, you know, that will increase their chances, either Brown or Charest, for getting elected, basically. We'll see if the same dynamic works for Leslin Lewis and Pierre Poiliev. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be automatic that one or the other's supporters are going to be putting the other candidate on their list right after. But uh, in order for a progressive to win this race, they need help from other progressive candidates. One last question on this. The idea of the timeline of the race, I know there were some in the party who were hoping for a shorter timeline just to get a new leader in place in the event that we had a snap election. Ultimately, the leadership race is now in September, September 10th. Does that change the equation for any candidate? Does that give someone like Jean Charest more chance to travel across the country, sign up new memberships, or does that do better for Pierre Polyev ultimately? What we were hearing is that Poliev's uh, supporters were hoping for a shorter race. You know, they think he's the guy for the job, that we should just get through it. And, you know, pe people were almost talking about a coronation mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Now, obviously, the fact that we have a longer race, well, that 
first of all, helps candidates who are not MPs, who maybe don't have as organized structures as Pierre Poliev does, to get organized and actually sign up some new members. I think that was actually crucial to a lot of these people who we've been talking about. <laughs> if, let's say, Jean Schreer or Patrick Brown only had like a month or so to sign up new members, I don't think they would have ran so the fact that they have until June to sign up new members, that's really crucial in their decision making. And the fact that the race is so long, I think it'll help some members discover maybe candidates that are not as well known. I mean, maybe we'll we'll see more of Leslie Lewis. Maybe we will see more of uh, Patrick Brown and, you know, the, his ideas for the country. And I think Jean Charest is, you know, not very well liked by a lot of people right now, but maybe he'll win some people over. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I think a longer race also has the potential of being good or bad for Pierre Polyev, because even though, like I said, he's been elected many times, he's on his seventh uh, term now as an MP, he's never been tested in a leadership race. So the fact that we have a longer race, ultimately, I think is a good thing, because the person who will win at the end of this will have been tested for months. They will have debated with other highly qualified contenders, and they will be ready for next election. So I think in a way, it was probably a good decision in the end, because the person who will be able to beat all these other contestants, you know, they will possibly be able to beat the next uh, liberal leader in the next election. Well, I know it certainly makes the race a little more interesting, and we'll certainly be watching it over the weeks and months to come. Catherine, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Catherine Levesque. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.